Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. And baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. How's it going, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine, part three of The Sky is Falling. Part two was last week. Part one was uh, back at the beginning of the season. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Josh Schaefer. Josh, have you uh, avoided the sky falling over there in Ontario yet? Or Because the Monrovia had came down, but I don't know if Ontario's uh, on lockdown just yet. Yeah, not not quite yet. Um, we're probably getting pretty close, though. Um, yeah, I mean, things, things uh, you know, current outlook, not looking uh, not looking too great. Perfectly said, perfectly said. So we're going to be talking about the latest series in St. Louis, the latest Dodgers news. And at the end of the episode, we're going to get to a mailbag from the listeners. But before we get to all that, make sure you guys follow the show on any sort of social media app you guys use. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Inside the Ravine. You guys can also watch and listen to full episodes over on YouTube. Just search Inside the Ravine. And we can, you know, we're on any sort of podcast app you guys use, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Odyssey app, anything else there you guys can find us wherever you guys get your podcast so josh we talked about this last week prior to the st louis series that this is going to be a really tough stretch for the dodgers three really difficult opponents coming up obviously the cardinals things haven't gone their way so far this season but they've been playing some really good baseball and they took it to the dodgers they take three out of three or three out of four i think they score something like 30 runs over the four game series the Dodgers offense they still scored five runs a game but the pitching let them down exponentially so before we get to kind of like the moves overall as a whole that are going to be a bigger picture just what were your takeaways from that four game series in St. Louis that the Dodgers dropped well the Dodgers came from behind a couple of times which was nice it was just that you know they couldn't keep the scoring going or the bullpen just really you know let them down I mean you can't you can't continue to give up as many runs as they are. The bullpen has not been good. You know, obviously you look at the starting pitching too, and you know, the starting pitching wasn't at its best, wasn't at its best. You know, Kershaw's, you know, last two starts haven't been great. Um, I mean, four losses this year already for Kershaw, but he's been the Dodgers best pitcher. Obviously that doesn't tell the whole story. Wins and losses are kind of dumb anyway, but four earned runs on five hits and three and two thirds innings with only six strikeouts for Kershaw. Um, And then at that point, Sure, he gives up four and three and two-thirds innings. The Dodgers score five runs, um, but uh, it just wasn't good enough. You know, when the bullpen gives up six runs, um, 
it's not good enough. And, and it was like that over the course of, you know, a few games. So combine the Dodgers having some comebacks, but then poor pitching from the bullpen, the, the starting rotation, not having its best stuff. Um, you know, it, it kind of adds up. And for the Dodgers, it added up into dropping three or four. Yeah. With the I exception, think... of course, of the, of the second game of the series where the Dodgers were great. All yeah, I was across gonna, the board, everybody was great. Yeah, I was going to say, the series makes no sense because three of the games, they were just horrendous. And then Friday, I, they didn't allow a run. I think in total, they allowed like two hits. So there was that one game where the pitching staff looked fantastic. But yeah, obviously Thursday, I think we did a show Friday morning talking about how awful that was all the way around. And, you know, 16 runs. And then on Saturday, not an awful game, I guess, by the pitching staff overall. It's just the offense couldn't get the job done at the end. But yeah, yesterday, Clayton Kershaw didn't have his best stuff. And then obviously, things fell apart for the bullpen. So this is a starting rotation that over the last week or so, I don't think anyone's pitched more than four innings. Maybe one guy went five during that stretch, but this is a bullpen that's had to eat a lot of innings, and things are starting to add up as we saw kind of these last few games. So things are just not really looking well for the Dodgers starting rotation, looking really well for the bullpen right now. I will give the offense credit because I know that a lot of people are going to be really upset over this series, but again, the offense scored five runs every game. Entering the series, Josh, when the Dodgers scored five plus runs, they were 22 and three. In this series alone, they went one and three. So, pretty much a month and a half's worth of games in which they lost by scoring five runs, they did that over the course of a four day stretch. So, the offense did their part, but yeah, uh, Josh, the biggest concern now, we've talked about the starting rotation. Obviously, just five days ago, the Dodgers lost Dustin May. It's still looking like it's going to be maybe a month, maybe a month and a half to two months. But Julio Urias goes on the IL with a hamstring injury. A little interesting because you don't really see pitchers go on the IL with hamstring injuries. Julio didn't exit his start uh, early with an injury. He exited his start because he got, you know, lit up. Following the game, there was no mention of this hamstring issue. So I guess maybe that's a silver lining as to why Julio was so bad. He was potentially dealing with a little bit of a hamstring injury. It sounds like he's not going to miss more than his 15-day IL stint, so I guess that means he'll miss maybe two starts at the absolute most. But yeah, Josh, we talked about this in our last episode, a rotation that can't afford anyone going out. And although Julio has missed time, uh, you don't want him to miss you know more than a couple of starts when he's the guy that usually eats a lot of innings for you. Yeah, I mean, look, he hasn't had his best stuff this season. Um, and, and I think that we know that and we've talked about that. But that doesn't diminish how important of a role he has at this point. And it leaves a hole for sure. Um, and it just comes at a really bad time when obviously Syndergaard hasn't gotten it done. You know, Dustin May's going to be out for a little bit. Obviously, we just talked about that on the last episode. Kershaw, I, I'm not worried about Kershaw, but to be completely fair, his last two starts have not been his best stuff. Um, and then also when you have so many injuries to, you know, other guys that could be in the rotation, thank goodness, Tony Gonsolin's back. Right. Like, I, I mean, we were, <laughs> I, this is, you know, should have, could have, would have, this is all a hypothetical, but like if this had happened like a couple of weeks ago, the Dodgers would have been in an even darker place than they are right now. And then you throw in the fact that the bullpen just has not been good over the last week or so, right. When the bullpen was playing, was, was pitching really, really well. The offense was doing really well. The starting was going, the starting pitchers were doing well over the course of, what was it like 15 games? The Dodgers were awesome across the board, but now when the bullpen is struggling and the starting pitching is struggling, and find the offense is doing okay, 
But now you have injuries to the starting rotation. It just kind of is all piling up for the Dodgers right now. And again, sky is falling is a term we're using. We're losing, you know, a little bit loosely because, you know, they've dropped three or four, um, but they're still in first place in the division. They're still, you know, having, you know, a decent prospectus for, you know, the next couple of weeks too. But it, it really is adding up. And I think that this is a huge hole that the Dodgers have to somehow dig themselves out of and, maybe the prospects are going to be the guys to do it. Yeah, yesterday after the loss, I went and I crunched some numbers. Now, I don't know if this stat kind of shows just how bad the Dodgers have been over the last week or just how good overall they were over the previous couple weeks, but over their seven games, the Dodgers have allowed 48 runs. Josh, would you like to take a guess as to how many games it took combined for them to allow 48 runs prior to this stretch so again it's it's taken seven games for them to allow 48 runs so prior to that how long do you think it took them to allow a combined 48 runs i'll go 20 games you were close 16 games so maybe again that just goes to show how good the pitching was doing over that two and a half week stretch where that's essentially according to my asu math just under three runs a game over a 16-game stretch. So they were looking really well, but over the last couple of weeks, they haven't been going well. Josh, also another thing that I uh, put together the other day, and this just goes to show how depleted this Dodgers starting rotation is. Pretty yeah, this much is, like, this was a tough tweet to, to look at. Yeah, Go this ahead, one. So we got Clayton Kershaw at the top, currently healthy, which knock on wood because you'd expect an IL stint at some point. We got Julio Urias on the IL. Walker Bueller on the IL, potentially going to miss the rest of the season. Dustin May on the IL, don't know when he's going to return. Tony Gonsolin, currently healthy, but he's already missed a month, and he's very injury prone. You have Noah Syndergaard, who has an ear array of six. Ryan Pepio, who is currently on the IL, not expected to be back until after the All-Star break. Michael Grove, who's missed over a month, not sure exactly when he's going to be back, although it seems like he might be back within the next couple of weeks. You have Andre Jackson, who has a career ERA of eight, and then... Now you get to the guys we're going to talk about next, but Josh, that is like nine to 10 guys that the Dodgers have had to go through to essentially get to their 11th and 12th options. It's just been insane how hurt this Dodgers rotation has been through the first two months of the year. Now, granted, you know, we weren't expecting some guys to be pitching from this season. Obviously, guys like Michael Gove, Ryan, Pe Ryan Pepio weren't really expecting much for them, but injuries have happened. And these guys are on the IL, so you can make, you know, your own expansion team of all the players yeah. that should have been starting for the Dodgers this year. It's it's been incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been <laughs> it, it hasn't been great. And it seems like the Dodgers have been really hit by the injury bug a lot these last couple seasons. As of course everyone has, it's a long season. No one just gets lucky with the injury bug. It's just that the Dodgers have been so incredibly unlucky um these last couple of years, especially early in seasons too, you know, it was tough um, two years ago when the Dodgers had the injury bug late, you know, Muncie was out and, and right when Muncie had gotten really hot at the end of the year, he was hurt for the playoffs back in, in 2021. That was tough for the Dodgers. You get hit at the beginning of the season and at the end of the season, but really these last couple of years, it's been going into the first month and a half of the season where the Dodgers have been hit pretty bad. Um, and now they're getting hit going into the summer. So, um, if you can survive a little bit longer, you know, obviously if it's looking like a month or so for Dustin May, hopefully you don't have to rush him back. Um, and Julio being out for a little bit as well. Um, again, I think if you can keep your head above water at this point, um, right now it seems like a lot of different pieces have been moving for the Dodgers and the offense has been 
a lot better. It's probably at the best point it's been this season, right? Um, it, they've probably, I'm not saying they've hit their peak, but they're at their highest point so far. So if the offense keeps doing what it's doing and you can get some sort of um, serviceable outings from the starting pitching and the bullpen, like at that point, I think you're in a pretty good spot, right? But it's just that everything is kind of piling up um, and hitting the Dodgers right now all at once from a pitching standpoint. Yeah, I mean, again, you, you lose Dustin May, you lose Julio Urias over a four-day span. Now, this is when things got really interesting because obviously all those names I just mentioned, most of them are on the injured list where if Dustin May, Julio go out, you would think a Ryan Pepe would fill in, maybe a Michael Grove, but obviously they can't turn to those guys right now. Last week, we saw Dylan Covey come up and make you know an appearance for the Dodgers. He probably would have been a starting pitching option, but he was DFA'd. He got claimed by the Fiddlies, so he's not an option. So pretty much, it was looking like, okay, maybe Andre Jackson is a guy that can start a game for the Dodgers, but outside of him, the options are really slim on the 40-man roster. Well, Josh, um, this was something we talked about numerous times this offseason. It was a question we got asked a lot whenever we did mailbags, and a lot of people always asked, at what point are we going to see Galvin Stone and Bobby Miller? I think we both said... You know, we might see one of them by the All-Star break, but in order to see both of them, maybe towards the end of the season when they do September call-ups, Josh, if you would have had to make a wager on seeing both of these pitchers in the starting rotation in the middle of May, I think you would have won a lot of money because that's the state of this Dodgers starting rotation. Gavin Stone, obviously he's already on the 40-man roster. He made a start a couple weeks ago at the big league level. He's going to be starting tonight in Atlanta, and then tomorrow, taking Julio's spot is going to be Bobby Miller, who I think has only made four starts in AAA so far this year. Hasn't been great, but the Dodgers have no other options. So their number one, their number two pitching prospects are going to be thrown into the fire in Atlanta. So, Josh, I, I guess what are your thoughts on seeing these two guys that we've been wanting to see all year, but maybe not given these circumstances quite yet in Atlanta? Hey, I mean... Uh, we're going to have to see something, right? Again, give me something serviceable. And, and obviously Stone's, you know, debut earlier this year didn't go as planned. He goes tonight, kind of gets thrown into the fire a little bit. And then obviously Bobby Miller will tomorrow. And, you know, we've been talking about these guys for a while. We've seen him at spring training. We've, we've liked what we've seen, obviously, um, for the most part. And, and right now, I mean, this is, this is kind of a big moment for the Dodgers this season, right? Um, to have these guys come in. And, and again, we've seen this in the past where guys have come in and took advantage of opportunities. More so, I think, from a position player standpoint, but the Dodgers right now really need some sort of serviceable outings from these two guys over the next couple of days. And, and again, you know, you look back at these last four games against the Cardinals, and if you told me going in the Dodgers would have scored five runs in every single game, I would have said they're either sweeping or taking three or four, not the other way around. So right now, I think you have to be confident in the bats. Um, and if you can get some decent outings out of these two guys, even, even if they're just eating innings at this point, like if, if, if Bobby Miller comes in to tomorrow's game or, you know, Tuesday's game against, um, against Bob or against Spencer Strider and, and, and the Braves, let's say he gives up four runs, he goes five, six innings, buys some time. I'm fine with it. You know, I, I just think that's what the Dodgers need right now, because look, Kershaw went, didn't even go four innings the other day. And again, you know, Kershaw's not the only reason the team lost. The bullpen gave up runs. You know, the Dodgers didn't score as many runs as they could have. But um, look, like, 
you've got some of your starters that aren't even going four innings these last couple of games. If you can get these two guys in and if they can be serviceable and go five innings, I think that's a, I think it's a great outing. That's a quality outing from a guy making, you know, his first or second start, but it's, I don't even know if they're going to have that long of a leash, you know? Um, so I'm optimistic going in. I'm excited to see what we'll get, but I mean, the major league scouting report on these guys is, is, uh, is not very expansive. So maybe that's, something that's going to work out for them too. Um, but we, we've liked yeah. what we've, what we've seen in, in spring training in the past and, and we'll see what we get this week. Yeah, I mean, that that's tough in regards to this whole situation because this is like a very exciting couple of days for Dodgers fans because they're getting to see potentially the future of the pitching staff going on back-to-back days. It's just, I wish that the situation was entirely different because one, again, you're having to go into Atlanta, the best team in the National League, and you're saying, okay, guys, you guys were facing AAA guys last week. Here's the Atlanta Braves offense. And then two, you're kind of banking on them to go deep into the games. Josh, I think I I wrote an article on this this morning. If Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone can give the Dodgers a combined 10 innings over these next two days, I think that'll be a success. And personally, I agree with you. I would much rather have Gavin Stone tonight go six innings and allow four runs than him going four innings and allowing two runs. I think the Dodgers offense, like you said, they're more than capable of giving at least five. They're going to be able to back him up. And the Dodgers desperately need these guys to give them some sort of length because everyone is certain at this point. The last thing you need is Gavin Stone, who I think went four innings you know, his first time around. If things just go horrible and he go- only goes three innings tonight, you got to use the bullpen. And then tomorrow for Bobby Miller's debut... I mean, again, maybe he surprises us. Maybe he's able to go five or six innings. But for a guy making his debut, who knows how long his leash is? Who knows how many pitches he's going to be able to make? It's kind of scary knowing just, again, how important these next two starts are for the Dodgers bullpen. And you're having to rely on guys that have a combined four innings at the big league level. They're going to be facing one of the best starting lineups in all of baseball. It just seems like a lose-lose situation all around, I think. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't uh, it doesn't work out great for them. I mean, I think that the Dodgers would have rather had this kind of come on them and 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 come to them like in in a different situation where maybe the team was rolling a little bit more. But the 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 breaks that they've had right now, they're coming at a bad time, and and that's just that's just how it's worked out. And they're on this they're on a tough stretch here, and they've got some big games coming up, um, and and they're going to need everybody. And that's what we've talked about recently was. You know, there have been some other teams that have been relying on just a couple of guys. And so far, the Dodgers, especially on the winning streak, when they've had challenges, you know, come right in front of them. They've been able to kind of work through it as a team. And and, and right now, that's what they're going to need over the course of these next few games. It's not going to be all on Bobby Miller. It's not going to be all on Gavin Stone. It's not going to be all on the bullpen. Everyone's going to have to kind of pick themselves up, which is what was going so well during that long winning streak. Now they've lost a couple of games, and, you know, hopefully they'll figure it out sooner rather than later. Yeah, so... We'll wait and see. We'll see what happens, but Gavin Stone going tonight, Bobby Miller going on Tuesday. Again, the Dodgers number one and number two pitching prospects, so exciting times. These guys are the future for the rotation. I don't think we were expecting to see both of them this early, but hey, this is what happens in baseball. Maybe they go out, maybe they shove, maybe they surprise us, and maybe they cement themselves in that starting rotation, and Noah Syndergaard doesn't have a spot moving forward because I won't be too upset about that. But Josh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be wrapping up the show answering questions from our viewers.
All right, Josh, we are back. We're going to wrap this show up with some questions. Again, if you guys ever have a question you guys would like to ask us, make sure to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Usually before we do a show, we always tweet out uh, when we're going to be doing a Q&A, when we're going to be doing a mailbag. So we want to hear from you guys. And again, if you guys want to leave us a voicemail, that's open 24-7. You guys can give that a ring at 323-736-1815. Let us know your thoughts on the state of the Dodgers or ask us a question. We'll play that on a future episode. Josh, uh, this question, it's not from anyone. It's actually going to be from me, and it's going to be directed at you because I'd actually like to hear your thoughts on this. Obviously, the other night, the Dodgers lost in a very controversial way to the Cardinals. Strike three was called, should have been ball four. And the Dodgers, in my opinion, showed no sort of emotion. I wrote an article on this, and I think Max Muncy is actually a subscriber to my Substack because I put, I can't remember the last time a Dodger player actually got ejected from a game because it just never happens. They never really show that kind of emotion. Obviously, yesterday, Max Muncy gets ejected for arguing a call. He gets ejected by the third base umpire who was the home plate umpire the night before. But Josh, I just want to know your thoughts. Why do you think the Dodgers just don't really show that much emotion when it comes to bad calls, uh, controversial moments? Because if I was a manager, I'd be pulling an Aaron Boone where I'm getting ejected every week. Uh, these players, they never really seem to get in the face with anyone. So do you kind of like that like Mookie Betts just walked away there to end the game? Or would you have liked to see him kind of get in the face of the home plate umpire and let him hear it for blowing a call in a crucial moment? I Look, I... First of all, I mean, that whole thing yesterday and and uh, in the game when, when he got ejected, I thought was kind of a joke because I think that he's well within, you know, his rights to to complain about a call like that. And then, you know, he was a little bit animated and he said he shouldn't have let it get that far. But walking back to the dugout and the third base umpire thinking he was upset about the night before, that's just – I just thought the whole thing with the third base umpire is ridiculous and doesn't need to happen. And that's uh, – I'm usually – pretty uh pretty pro player and manager in these types of situations like if somebody deserves to be ejected they deserve to be ejected but the one the other day was like i just felt like the third base umpire was kind of just inserting himself into the situation but look like i thought the same thing like mookie's great mookie's a character like he is a great presence for the team um and obviously he's you know he's a great player but i feel like mookie has never shown emotion like that like he's never like let the umpire have like the, the game's over. I'd get tossed, get tossed after the game. You know, what are they going to do? Still be back in the lineup tomorrow and right. you'll play another game. Like the, the fact that the game's over, like I, I would have gotten tossed. I mean, because look, like it was outside. That's not why the Dodgers lost. It definitely changes things when there's runners on first and second and two outs and the best hitter on the team's coming to the plate who already had multiple hits that day. So that changes the complexion of the game a little bit, but um, it's not why the Dodgers lost, but it certainly did not help their case at all. So the fact that there was really, and the, the, the part that got me wasn't, and I'm not trying to knock Mookie here. It wasn't even that Mookie didn't argue or anything or didn't, you know, really display any frustration. It was the dugout just kind of sitting there with their hands on their heads. I'm like, how is nobody hollering? How is nobody getting upset about it? Everyone was kind of just sitting there, which is what, I, I get it. Like it was a bad call. It was outside. Like sometimes those things kind of freeze you a little bit, but the way that I saw it was like, how is nobody, at least based off of what you could see on the broadcast, it seemed like nobody was chirping at, at all. No one displayed any type of frustration whatsoever, which is kind of, um, that that's kind of what stood out to me too. And 
you know what? Muncie yeah. gets tossed the next day. I think uh, it's disappointing about when it happened and how it happened. But again, like even he said like, all right, you know, like I shouldn't have, I, I should have like not let it get that far. But again, like I don't even, I don't even totally side against him in that case. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not asking for guys to be getting ejected, but like you said, especially with the game already being over, what, you know, what's going to happen? You get thrown out of the game that's already over. Dave, he was silent. I'd like to see Dave react more. And again, this not not in regards to even arguing calls. Even if you flip things around to, you know, celebrate and go on nuts, every time the Cardinals hit a home run, they were slamming their bat down. They were tossing it. They were looking towards their dugout, going absolutely nuts. They were going crazy around in the bases. And that's just something that we have not seen from the Dodgers this season, last season. Honestly, really, ever since we had Puig. Like, Puig was the last night that ever kind of showed emotion. So, I don't know if this is just their mentality they want to have. We talked about this so many times during the offseason, how not saying that that's the reason the Dodgers lost to the Padres, but clearly they were out of motion when it came to that. So, I'd like to see something. Even my girlfriend, I was talking to her about this the other day, and she's like, the fact that we saw in the World Baseball Classic from so many of the guys that show that they, they can have this emotion and they just choose not to, I don't know. I'd like to see something. Obviously, they don't have a home run celebration gimmick that most teams have. Just anything. Just show, show me some sort of emotion uh, when a big play happens. That's all I got to see. But Josh, moving on to some questions from some, from some viewers. This first one is fantastic. This comes from Gary Carr. We talked about pitching earlier in the episode, Josh. Gary wants to know, can either of the podcast hosts pitch? So if needed, Josh, if too many guys just hit the I.L., and open tryouts happened at Dodger Stadium. Are you going to be there? Like, what What was the latest that the gun produced when you uh, threw a fastball? Um, not great. Um, I, I honestly don't know what my range would be here. It, it definitely wouldn't be hard. <laughs> I think I think I my fastball would be low 80s, is my guess, if I could even get there. I throw two, I throw three pitches generously three pitches. I go fastball, change up slider. And I, so here's, here's actually, you know, you, you were there sometimes when we were in college and you know, the world ended with COVID or nearly ended. Um, we would go onto the roof of our parking garage, right. And play catch all the time. Um, us and, you know, my roommates or whatever. Well, they had a barrier um, of the, of the parking structure where, you know, every couple spots, there'd be, it would just be like a like a support beam, but it'd be like the top of it since we were on the top floor. And there was like a wall behind it. And I would frame up this little um, pile, uh, this pillar as like a strike zone. And I would pinpoint a mark on it. And I would try to throw my slider and hit the corner of it every single time. Um, so I definitely worked that out a little bit during COVID. It's been some time. Um, but I think I could get in and throw – a below average fastball, well below average fastball, a well below average slider, and a changeup that might get a swing and miss, but might also be deposited 450 to dead center. Um, but um, I, I'm, I would be happy to give it a go. Yeah, my, my two pitches would probably be a fastball and a slow ball. And the only issue is, Josh, is that you might get one or two pitches out of me because unless I'm underhanding this thing, if I'm throwing it overhand, my arm's probably going out right away. Like, I remember when we were up there on the roof throwing around, and I remember just, like, the first throw I did because I hadn't thrown in so many years, I was feeling it in my arm. So if I go out there to pitch, and you're asking me to just give a little oomph, my arm's gone. It's not making it. So 
we're getting some underhand, uh, like in Rookie of the Year at the very end, we're getting those kind of pitches, so just impossible ephesis, or we're just getting overhand slow balls that are coming at you at 60 miles an hour at the absolute most. That's probably also an ephus of his own, but it's not gonna be it's not gonna be great, Josh. But hey, maybe you know maybe I'm gonna, they have issues. I would underhand one like a slow pitch softball. Get it get it super high up there, let yeah. it float into the strike zone. And that angle, no one's taking no one's barreling that up. No. It's too tough. We've seen it. We've seen guys struggle with Let's it. Try it. So maybe we'll be able to get a couple yeah. out of there. Uh, this comes from Caitlin Carney's. What is the point in when is the point in having the best farm system in the league if our top prospects just sit there while Trace Thompson is 0 for 38? Yeah, Josh, I think Trace Thompson now officially has tied the longest hitless streak by a non-pitcher in Dodgers history. So I believe the next time he gets out, if he goes over 39, that'll set the record. So a lot of people are calling for Trace Thompson to be DFA'd. But the only issue is the Dodgers have no options in the minors outside of two guys. Guys we've talked about, you know, back in spring training and Johnny DeLuca and Andy Pajes. But they were both just called at the AAA last week. And I don't think the Dodgers are going to want to go to them. So, Josh, it looks like it's they got to ride it out with Trace Thompson for at least a couple months and hope he turns it around. If not, maybe two more months will be enough time for these guys. But, yeah, that, that's the reason the Dodgers can't DFA him is because they have no better options currently at the moment. Yeah, they, they don't really have any options right there. And, and I feel like, is, is Trace the better option? I feel like he is. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's, it's definitely, um, not a good outlook for the Dodgers. Um, but right now you don't really have anybody else that can come in. So that's kind of where I'm at looking right now. So I don't know, man, I guess you just kind of hope that he gets a couple of ABs here and can break out of this thing. Thought maybe it would be that with that walk off walk the other night, but still, still not quite there yet. Yeah, I mean, at this point, he's not really getting any starts, maybe one start a week. He's getting a couple of bats here and there, so not ideal. You wish he was getting hits, but he's not really killing you, and obviously, you don't want to DFA him because someone else is probably going to claim him, and yeah, you don't know what you're going to get with DeLuca or what you're going to get with Pajes, so like I said, at this point, write it out. Hopefully, he's able to turn things around at some point, but it's not looking great. Josh, we have one final question, and this comes from... Jay, we, Jay, the we believe Doyers. What is a realistic trade at the deadline that will make this team better? Uh, you don't have to necessarily make a make a pick for like a player you think the Dodgers should trade for, but maybe like a position. What's like a realistic position that you think the Dodgers could desperately use to uh, upgrade at the trade deadline, given the state of the team at the moment? I mean, I, I think they have to go pitching. One way or another, the Dodgers will will upgrade the pitching staff at the deadline. They have to. They absolutely have to. Um, and um, beyond that, I, I, I think that hypothetically you could add another outfielder. And the reason why I think you could go outfield is because you have a guy like Chris Taylor that can kind of be a little bit more versatile. Um, obviously he hasn't had a great year, but I think you would, the Dodgers were probably expecting him to improve at some point, but I don't know. I mean, if you, if you do, if you do outfield that just kind of, for me, solidifies trying to put Mookie in the infield more often. Um, or in fact, you go the opposite direction and add an infielder and keep Mookie in the outfield. I mean, for me, it's, it's gotta be one or the other. 
but the number one for me is it it has to be pitching you have to do yeah. something to improve your bullpen or your rotation if guys are not coming back from injuries when you want them to but the pitching has to be improved yeah I agree. I mean, whether it's a starter, whether it's a guy out of the bullpen, the Dodgers could desperately use an upgrade there. And I like what you said also about adding another outfielder just because the Dodgers, although they have a plethora of outfielders, I do think they could use another one. Obviously, you have Mookie there, where if you want to throw him at shortstop or second base whenever, that gives more opportunities. But James Outman has really cooled down over the last month. His numbers have taken a hit. David Peralta obviously hasn't done really much at any point this season. Uh, Jason Hayward, after his hot start, his numbers have been declining you know, over the last month and a half. And again, with Trace Thompson, uh, he's been horrendous as well. So you want to have some options. So maybe a corner outfielder, maybe someone in left field uh, that becomes available. The issue is, at this point, we don't know who's going to be available because with how many teams make the playoffs now, like unless you're the Oakland A's, uh, you're pretty much going to be in the playoff hunt by the time the trade deadline rolls around. So it's tough to really predict uh, who the Dodgers could potentially trade for, but someone. They'll make a trade for someone. It's just a matter of who. But Josh, that does wrap it up for today's episode of Inside the Ravine. Again, you guys can give us a follow on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Inside the Ravine. You guys can also watch and listen to the full episode over on YouTube. Also, make sure to listen to the podcast wherever you guys get your podcasts. Spotify, Apple, the Odyssey app. Make sure to leave us a five-star rating over there, a positive review, or just some things you'd like to see from the podcast moving forward. Josh, before we wrap things up, any uh, parting words before we send the rookies into the fire that is Atlanta? Yeah, God, it's going to be... Uh... It's going to be a tough series here, um, and I think that uh, that off day coming up on Thursday could not come soon enough for the Dodgers. So quick turnaround from St. Louis to Atlanta, and, and the tough stretch continues. So um, would be nice to see these guys come out and eat some innings. We need to come up with some sort of nickname for this trio of rookies between Michael Bush, Gavin Stone, and Bobby Miller, all three guys with beers as their last names. So... <laughs> hey, the rook, the rookie beer league guys or something, but hey, the we'll, beer leaguers seems more like the an beer insult, leaguers. Though. <laughs> <laughs> You're well, based on how Michael Bush looked out there, maybe it's actually fitting. Unless that's too soon, Josh. Unless it's hey, too hey, soon for hey, Mike. Hey, hey, he had that big extra innings hit though. You can never take that away from him, and more importantly, away from me. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Josh is still trying to recover from screaming so much. But as always, thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Again, make sure to follow us on social media. Listen to the show. Do all that kind of fun stuff. For Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, enjoy the rest of your day wherever you may be.